Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Knuckle Up. It is Sunday. It is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we have one of our own in the hot seat today. None other than our man, David Ranjuli. Wow. (laughs) This is going to be a good one because you're not going to be asking the questions this time. It's going to be asking. Yeah, yeah, Mike. uh, Firstly, thanks, Rabo, for having me on your show, brother. I watched some of your shows, and... uh, yeah, man, I'm very excited to sit in the seat and get the questions from you and to be finally answering the questions and not asking the, the, the <laughs> questions, you know? So I'm really, really looking forward to it. Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to have a good time. Uh, all the fans out there, you know, they, they do watch your show. They know you. You're on the channel. You're one of the you're one of the members of the team. You're yeah, part man. of the brotherhood. Yes, yeah, and today we get to talk to you in this special episode. Uh, you know, you got a fight coming up. Uh, in a couple of weeks, you said April first. Yes, uh, it's not a joke. April. <laughs> yeah, first of, yes, not a uh, first of April. I'm back in the in the Netherlands, and uh, yeah, hopefully back to winning ways and uh, get the career back onto uh, fighting ways. Definitely. So, David, for all the people it's, out uh, there that don't know you, yes, we want we want to start at the beginning. We want to start right at the beginning, brother. What okay. age? What age was it when you first picked up that pair of boxing gloves? Okay, so I started boxing um, at the early age of around eight, nine years old. I was born in uh, South Africa, uh, in the southwestern township known as Soweto. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, after the apartment, uh, had a great job, residence office. We moved over to the suburbs. Uh, from there. You know, I was very privileged enough to grow up uh, in good schools, around good people. Uh, I lived in the south of Johannesburg. Okay. In the south of Johannesburg is a place where boxing and fighting is really, it's it's known, you know. It's like, I'm sure in the States there, uh, the kids are surrounded by the gangsters and stuff like this, where we were surrounded by uh, fighters and uh boxers you know uh this one's father is a boxer that one's father is a boxer he's scared of that one because he's a boxer and so so i i was up i was brought up around that kind of an environment you know and i still remember my first uh time i started boxing firstly my mom made me watch the, the brian mitchell uh documentary okay now brian mitchell is like the south african Muhammad Ali. Okay. He is actually, he was my first guest on my show. And he was, a, he's an inductee in the Hall of Fame in America. They inducted him into the Hall of Fame. Um, he was known in, as the world, uh, Road Warrior. And yeah. uh, I still remember this day very clearly, you know, my mom came up to me and she said, uh, you know, I should watch this documentary on Blow by Blow. Brian Mitchell about a white South African boxer who went out there and conquered the world, even during apartheid times in South Africa, where not a lot of South Africans were allowed to participate in sports. Right. And we were not allowed as South Africans to go out and support our fellow South Africans. So he was alone, you know, and he went to the States 
and he had great fights. He actually defended his title at the most times, I think, speaking under correction, 13, 14 times, his WPA lightweight title. And uh, yeah, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. But I remember why my mom actually taught me, showed me that day, you know, it took years to actually to say why well, was it Brian Mitchell, you know? Uh, <laughs> I was a naughty little kid at school, always fighting <laughs> with the guys. And, uh, you know, my mom was in uh, the president's office, so I always had a big mouth about this and that. And I always used to get into fights on the streets and all. And I think my mom was showing me that, you know, in life, whatever you put your heart to or whatever you want to do, no matter what, because, you know, I was, as I say, I was a naughty guy. Uh-huh. And my teachers would always say, oh, you'll amount to nothing or this and that. And she, you know, it was watching Brian Mitchell just showed me that, you know, no matter what, no matter the circumstances that you are surrounded by, uh-huh. if you have a dream and a passion, no matter where you are in the world, you can accomplish it, you know. Uh, you don't need so many, you don't need a thousand people behind you. If you're really hungry about something and you really want something, it you can get it. Anything yeah. is possible, you know. Yeah. And I watched that day and I still remember the following day, I went to another guest of mine, Anton Gilmore. He had a gym up the road. We went to his gym and... Uh, I walked in there and I was like, you know, I looked at the boxing bags and I remember Anton looked at me and he taught me to throw my first jab and I threw a jab and he looked at me and he said, you know what, you're going to, you are something special. Uh, he said to me, I'll be a champion. And in my mind, I was like, nah, I'm <laughs> to be a champion. But I like, I like that feeling of hitting the bag, you know? Yeah. And from there, I was just glued to watching a lot of the Brian Mitchell fights. Um, my amateur career started. I was training under Anton Gilmore for a year or two. Uh, after that, you know, uh, my mom got sick. She passed on. From there, I moved on to uh, fight, uh, moved gyms to fight for uh, another gym, Lovett's Boxing Gym. And that's where really my amateur career kicked off. Right. Uh, a lot happened at that time. I was still young, 13, 14. I lost my mom. A lot of things, crazy things were happening. And I found this family, the Lovitz family, and uh, they took me in as their own, you know. A lot of people would call me an orphan, but this family had a little gym in, the, in like you can say, in the hood of, right. of, of the South very rundown place they they built this gym for the for the community for the kids that don't have money to to pay for monthly fees or whatever and they just wanted to teach the guys just to so keep I them joined, in the streets right to kind of keep yes back. yes taking off the kids in the streets and stuff right. like that and this is where i joined this gym and they also lived with them uh, for a couple of years and that's where my amateur boxing career was at with the lovers, you know, and uh, they taught me a lot of about fighting, about uh, being a, a fighter, a warrior, you know. And uh, I was in I was in the amateurs for about eight years. I had thirty amateur fights. In that thirty, I lost about three. Uh, along the way, it was it was rough, you know. Uh, as I said, not living at home, 
living with friends and stuff like that. You know, you you tend to to get involved with uh, some nonsense on the right. side and right. do things here, do things there. So I missed out a lot on like championships and uh, amateur championships. But a lot of the coaches would say to me, you know, you you can be a champion. Uh, we see you, you know, uh, they would they would say you can beat the likes of in amateurs, Hecky Butler and stuff like this. And I never really took that in, you know, like I was just like, Ugh, no, because my mind wasn't set on being a champion. It right. was for me, as I said in the beginning, we grew up with all these guys that were boxers and stuff like that. So being a boxer was like even a cool thing to be, you know? So, yeah. and I loved fighting. It was my one way of getting out of prison, really. <laughs> because as I say, I was involved with a lot of, um, with a lot of uh, nonsense in yeah. the streets and stuff where I would be in court cases, running on trial, uh, cops after us and stuff like this and you know there was a point where i actually sat and you could say i was part of a gang and all these guys had their families we were all sitting for trial and they had their families moms and dads and lawyers and i looked around and i was sitting by myself and i was like you know what hey i'm wasting my time here because now i'm always jumping in for the homies yeah I'm always fighting for the homies but I have no one here to actually help me, you know? Right, right. Uh, and I prayed and I said, God, please, I need to get out of this situation. I need to stop this right now for a greater purpose. And I think after I left that trial and uh, we left and, you know, my whole mind changed, my whole mindset changed, you know? And I was like, I would rather get paid. Yeah and fight because I love fighting. I would rather give the fans a good fight. Like, as I said, I used to watch Brian Mitchell, the two-year-old Gaddy. Still to this day, I watch the Gaddy fights. I watch Johnny Tapia and stuff. Yeah. And I look at these fights and I'm like, you know, I was telling my wife the other day, this is why I started boxing, is because the people on their seats and this is what I wanted to do. Like, you know, when I said, okay, no more street fighting, I want to put fans to say, damn, did you see Rajuli fight? Right. Win or lose, did you see that guy right. swing? Did you see that there's, fight? There's, you know? nothing, there's nothing more addictive than the cheer of the crowd. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's almost know? like a drug in itself to hear it. And it's like... Just to hear yeah, and yeah. Even, you know, I've lost some fights and people come to me and they're like, wow, bro, that fight was amazing, you know? And uh, that for me was the whole like starting of even my pro career. I was like, you know what, bro? The streets, I'm not making money on the streets. I'm not hearing the crowd. Let me go into the pros, make right. some cash a little bit, feed myself uh, and give the people fights. Let me be remembered for good fights, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the pro career kicked off. Uh, my pro career as well, it kicked off pretty tough. Uh, I was sent from gym to gym. Uh, I have families that have taken care of me since like my mom died. They were phoning these people, this people, please give David a chance. Please give David a chance. And uh, I went everywhere in South Africa from 
the golden gloves table to this table to that table just trying to fit in with right. all these big guys i'm just there trying to fight you know and uh as i was about to give up uh i was she's still like my mentor now and uh she, i was actually working as her secretary half day going to training in the morning and then coming to do office job as a secretary right. and i came home the one day and i was like you know i'm training here i've got my pro license for two years no one's giving me a chance i'm giving this up and she said you'll never ever ever give up you know quitting is not an option this is something that stuck in my heart as well for since she said that and uh, she found a boxing gym for me in the east rand of johannesburg okay. and I went there and uh, yeah, that's where it all started for me, you know. Um, that's 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 an amazing story, uh, David. That's, that's, you know, like a lot of people don't understand how, um, you know, like how dangerous that, that part of the world is, right? Like the yeah. gangs, the gangs and all that and poverty and, you know, a lot of things. And to see, you know, these youth get into this and, and like yourself, get out of that lifestyle and find boxing to help you move along is is just an amazing thing and 100 percent, you know you hear stories of how boxing changed people's lives yeah uh i'll be a testimony to that boxing has changed my life in in the craziest of ways like i say you know it just takes that moment to say you know i'm so good with my hands to even pray said god please just i don't know where it's gonna take me but i'm going there i'm gonna go train I'm going to try my hardest, you know, and, right. you know, things start happening. Doors start opening, opportunities start happening. You know, you start living a clean life. You, right. Your mind is no more clouded by, uh, I won't swear, but by, uh, by crap. Yeah. And it's more, you start seeing more of, you know, your, your purpose. More clear. More clear. Yes. More, more clear and all of that. And, start seeing like true. a path to the light kind of thing. Yes, like, yes. You know what and to do now. You can you can see the pathway to do it. And yes. then, you know, you start doing it and you start, you know, benefiting from it. It's 100%. 100%. And, you know, I had a, a, a quite a, a, a interesting pro, pro career because I started off, I won, I think, my first three fights and, and I lost my my fourth fight and funny enough i losing my fourth fight i got offered a south african title <laughs> <laughs> because i was an exciting fighter you know right. uh yeah i am i think i had six fights i had two losses and before got a phone call to say you know uh, david we want you to fight for the sa title and i only have done four rounds four four no it was four four rounds one six rounder and I was like, coach, what do you mean? And they said, yeah, the promoter wants you to come and fight for the SA title. And I was fighting a guy called Jasper Suruke. That, that was back in uh, 2015, right? Yes, I fought Jasper Suruke. And uh, yeah. he was a veteran. You know, he had lost, I think, twice to Malcolm Clarkson at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, he was ranked in the top 40 in the world by Boxrec. Uh, I looked at my ranking at the time. I still remember he's finding out how Boxrec Fox Rick works and you look, you're like, what? You are 600 and something. 
out of and I'm like at least I'm in the top thousand. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You still are now. You're you're in the top thousand in the world. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like you're you're ranked you're ranked seven hundred and seventy six. Yeah, something. I'm 20, still in the top thousand, bro. Yeah, yeah. You're, I always say to myself, you know, with those rankings, like I'm saying, even when I fought for the first, I said my first title, I was like, yo, this guy's in the top forty. I'm in the top. I'm in the top thousand, but there's <laughs> ten thousand people out there, so a thousand is somewhere, you know. <laughs> but you, you know, like the rumor, the rumors did say there were rumors going around you. He's better than his record suggests. I know that, and I know sometimes records can be deceiving. Yes. You gotta look out for him because you upset people. Yes, yes, <laughs> you, yes. And that was, and you that come was in the, and upset. You come in and upset uh, people. Honestly, that was the that was the mind of. That was my coach's mind, Hardly When he took me to that fight, I was like, coach, I haven't even done an eight round or a 10 round. <laughs> he said, no, my boy, you always fit. You fight. You are, he used to call me a horse. He says, you like a horse. I watch you, you like a horse. When you go, you go and you just go and you know, you can upset this guy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. What, I didn't even know, like, okay, <laughs> let's go. So I just trained hard. We trained hard. I'll never forget that first title fight. Uh, we went, uh, we went eleven rounds, and even after that fight, the, his promoter, the, the coach came. He was like, "Bro, we thought we stopping you in six rounds. <laughs> Unbelievable!" <laughs> and I was, I took that fight. I was like, "You know what? You know what? I'm made for this. I'm really." When they came to speak to me after that fight, I'll never forget. I was like. I looked at my coach and I said, you know what? I'm made for this. Let's do this. Now I know I can stand with Oaks, veterans of the sports, you know, and yeah. I can go. Yes, I didn't do the whole 12 rounds. I went 11 rounds, but I fought with this. Yeah. And it showed me that, you know what, Dave, you got some fight in you, you know? Yeah. And even then, titles were not in the mind. It was just about, you know, I can fight these guys. Yeah. I can fight. I can fight. And funny enough, after that fight, a lot of people saw the fight. It was uh, in South Africa, it was on TV and all. And there the phone starts to ring, you know. Uh, a lot of guys want you on their shows. Uh, the WBF had their convention in Slovenia. And in 2017, that's where we got a call from the president of the WBF, Mr. Howard Gold. He said, listen, uh, we hear there's this guy, David Rajuli. We want him here. We've got a title shot for him, you know. And even with that, you know, you hear oh, <laughs> international title. First time. Now, this is where boxing changes your life. Yeah. Growing up, I used to always, you know, even when I lived in the hood and shit, I used to run in the mornings. I was telling one of the amateur guys the other day, I used to do the whole Rocky thing where you crack an egg in the, in the glass. Yeah. The culprit, old school, know, old school, yes, old school yes. yeah, yeah. In the winter there in South Africa, my mom used to say, you used to be proud of me to do this. She was sick at the time, and I used to go gloom gloom, and I used to run, eh? And finally, I used to run past Jasper Shiruke before even we fought. You know, we used to see each other on the roads running four mm. or five o'clock in the morning, and I used to shadow box in in my in my in my garden. I made, uh, we have rice, you know, rice. Yeah. I made a boxing bag out of a rice bag, hang it there. And I used to go and I used to be like, 
you know, I can do this. And I used to say, God, please, you know, I used to look at this at the star at the sky and I say, one day I want to fight out there. And I used to point up. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <you> little. <laughs> right. That's right. like the world is round. So I used to say, I want to fight out there. I want to fight out there. And this is where it was amazing. Hardy says, yo, Dave, I got a call from the president of the WPF. They want you to come to Slovenia. And I was like, yo, Slovenia coach, isn't that Europe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yo, 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 yo. I was so happy. And he's like, yeah, uh, you're fighting a guy from Georgia. He's got quite a record. But you, my boy, you're always fit. You got a heart. You can beat him. That's all the coaches to always say. <laughs> that, that was his pep talk for you, eh? You can do it. You yes. Can he's like, we're going. He's like, I know you're always fit. You got a heart. You fight. We're going. You're going to stop this guy, my boy. I said, okay, coach. And we got sponsors involved. Uh, even that fight, let's uh, see. There was no purses involved. It was a thing of fighting for yeah. the title, you know, uh, once in a lifetime opportunity, uh, fighting for a title, WPF International, it was yeah. my first one in the uh, super featherweight uh, division, went over to Slovenia and uh, wow, what a <laughs> night. What an experience. Yeah, even uh, they wrote about it, there's a whole article, I was the fight of the night, uh, I had the people on their feet, I was doing my boxing moves and uh, <laughs> right. it was it was amazing it was one of those days that you know um it's something i'll always tell my kids because right. it was the reason i wanted to go into pros is to have people on their feet now right. i was in slovenia it so was were, i was like the only african person there yeah and i had all these people on their feet going wow and i was like I felt like a two-year Gaddy versus Ward, just moving my head and, right. you know, uh, it was amazing. And I actually, I won the fight, unanimous decision, and uh, I won my first uh, title. And just holding that title, the WBF International, uh, for me, you know, it it was, I didn't, till this day, it doesn't matter, WPC, WBF, WBO. Yeah. I believe you work hard, you get rewarded, you know? Yeah. Uh, and this was my reward for never giving up, for always pushing for what I believed in. I had someone next to me who believed in me. He, even he, you can put the biggest oak in front of me, that coach would say, David, you would beat him. <laughs> <laughs> he just believed in me so much, you know? That's good. Um, you know, it's it's motivation like that that you need though sometimes, right? And yes. it's just he's pushing you because he knows you won't push yourself that hard, right? So yes, he's like, yes. get out there and do it. David, what for all for all the fans out there, like, you know, they, they might not know how big the boxing community is in, in South Africa. Um uh, can you like elaborate on like how, how the community is? Like, is there a lot of gyms? There are a lot of fighters. Yeah, how, you know, so how does, how does uh, the structure work? South Africa's got a lot of, of, of talent, a lot of boxing gyms. Uh, we have, uh, very, yes, 100%, a lot, a lot of boxing gyms, very good trainers. We've got a lot of, uh, lot of talent. The only thing with South Africa, it's just 
the economy economy state. So right. it's difficult to be a, a WBC champion or a champion in these five big organizations because of yeah. sanctioning fees and so forth. Yeah, because you know, a lot of people uh, don't know that that when you fight for the belts, there's a there's a three percent sanctioning fee. Uh, up up to three hundred thousand dollars, depending on the size of the purse, right? So yes, you you're see? fighting for and, multiple uh, belts. That gets kind of costly, right? Yes, and in South Africa, it's very difficult for the fighters, especially uh, if they don't have sponsors and stuff like this, right. to get them such fights. You know, um, uh, but the community it's big. We've got some of the best fighters in the world, actually, you know, I right. think uh, another guy just got awarded best fights of the year from the IBF for winning in uh, on Matchroom last year. Uh, we've got so many, like we got WBC the silver champions. We've got a lot of IBO. The mm -hmm. IBO is a lot in South Africa. Okay. Uh, they work a lot with Rodney Berman from Golden Gloves. So, you know, you get good promoters, big promoters like Rodney Berman that gets his fighters out there. We have the likes of Kevin Lorena. Uh -huh. He fought uh, Daniel Bios the last time on uh, in uh, uh, Tottenham. Okay. Heavyweight WBA title. Uh, we have, yes, Kevin Lorena. He's fighting now for the, uh, I think, a WBC elimination fight in the okay. heavyweights. Yeah. So we have all of that. It's just, you know, it's like we also have Hickey Butler. Hickey Butler has got the, the Ring magazine. He's got most of the titles. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, uh, he cannot really fight uh, defend them at home because right. it's paying right. sanctioning fees. It's paying uh, opponents, and you you paying. It goes into in rands in South African rands. It shoots up into the millions. You know. <sighs> Yeah, uh, that's the exchange rate, the South African wow. exchange rate. Wow. So this is what makes it hard for South Africans. But yeah. the guys don't give up. The guys are still out there. The guys are still hungry. South Africa is a, it's a kind of country like Cuba. When you get a fighter, they're not fighting ready for for the big, uh, for they fight to feed themselves and their families and stuff like this. Right. This is where the, you find that raw talent, that, that hangriness, you know. That's exactly what I profile on my show, those young, hungry, undefeated, undiscovered, raw talents that, you know, don't get the same opportunities that, you know, those blue chip prospects get. But you know what? They could they can be on the same caliber in, yeah. in fighting style. And it sucks that a lot of fighters go unnoticed like that around the world. Yeah. Just it's, it's, opportunity, right? It's very true. Eh? And, you know, I learned this from also been in the pros um, for my coach Hardy. And you know, he told me, he said, you know, David, if you look in the world, like in America and stuff, all these fighters, they really market themselves and stuff like this. So when I looked back and I was like, you know what? I'm not a Muhammad Ali, I'm not Mike Tyson. I'm not I'm not the, the, the face of boxing in South Africa, but you know what? I'm gonna market the hell out of myself. Right. I'm going to make t-shirts. I'm going to go on social media like I am the greatest of the greatest fighters. And that's what I did. And doing that honestly got me the attention of promoters, right. of people, just putting myself out there, you know. Uh, and some of these guys don't have those tools. 
Like right. I said, you know, I was very privileged to go to white schools, you could say, and right. be around these people and speak like the way I do. Because I'm, my mom took us to very good schools, you know. Right. But some of these guys don't have this, especially in South Africa. They're in the townships. They're in uh, rural areas and stuff. They got big talent, but they can't put uh, two sentences together or they don't have the the, the abilities to or the, the, the laptops and all of that to market themselves and to get themselves out there. And they're sitting there with 20 and 0 records, yeah. 15 and 0s. They just can't get themselves out there. Right. Also with their managers, a manager uh, for us is the scariest person. And stuff like you know because a manager is someone you should trust someone that should manage your career but being in a place like that where unemployment is close to 50 percent yeah manager is out there to also get his own you know exactly and then exactly. that's where the snake and the foxes and stuff come in which you know which and it hurts this yes it hurts the sport there's always yeah. there's always been that and and all over the world not just not just in south africa but yes, yes. the states uh germany china japan all these places what what do you think what do you think is the biggest thing that needs to change to help south africa move forward as a boxing entity i think what needs to change is in my my opinion i think the world the organization Mm -hmm. should throw more shows in South Africa, allow their talent to be seen right. instead of saying, okay, stripping the fighters or making it difficult for the fighters to, to fight and stuff, to give that chance, you know, to say, okay, we have a number three ranked or number two ranked South African fighter. Let's go to South Africa. Let's throw these events there. Let right. the people, let, let us, as the organizations, WBC, WBO, WBA, you know, let's help the promoters in South Africa showcase their talent, you know, even if it means uh, not doing free shows, obviously not, but giving the chance to say, okay, uh, we will we will come and do the show there. We will bring our champion to, to defend his title against uh, one a contender from yeah. there, you know. Right. Uh, I think that will help a lot because that will even bring big fights to the country. Yeah, you know, which, and which will again gener generate revenue for the country, right? So hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, and uh, yeah, this is what I really, really think uh, would help South African fighters to get out there. You know, uh, I'm I'm out here in Germany at the moment. I thought, let me come out here to the greener side of life. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> I find it harder in this side of the world. Really? It's crazy. Yeah, it's harder for me to get fights now than I was in South Africa. In South Africa, I was the, you could say, every province I went, uh, moved yeah. around quite often. I was yeah. a golden boy. Yeah, you know? they know you. They Everyone know you. wanted to see David fight. You know? Yeah, you, 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 were, you, you, were, you were the blue chip prospect back here, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. You know, so I had uh, even um, one of my guests, Steve Kodakoda, he was on my show. He was my promoter. When he said, David, you're fighting, he would give me three, 400 tickets. And guess what? Three, 400 tickets were gone. 
<laughs> I had people come in there, you know, I would be on the radio, I'd be on the TV, I'd be in the newspapers, uh, Rajuli's back in action, Rajuli's fighting, um, uh, we would sell out events, you know, uh, and I would do this because I love people there cheering, showing people good fights and stuff, right. you know, over here, it's a bit difficult for me, uh, after the corona and all of this, uh, but I don't give up. I keep pushing. I keep, uh, I keep the fire going. I was close, but I keep the fire, fire really, really burning. But I was telling you about yes, about this uh, my my fights, my fights. Yeah. Yes, yes. Let's talk. Let's talk okay. about that. Let's go back to the fight. Before we, before we talk about the fight, <laughs> we talk about the fight. What, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've faced today in your career so far? The biggest challenges the biggest I faced challenge, today? Yeah, the biggest challenge that you faced today is? I would say getting a promoter to give me a fight. Getting promoted as a South African. My biggest challenge right now as a South African out here in Europe is getting a promoter to put me on one of his cards to give me a, a shot and to to fight like a nice big fight. It's, is, it, it's a, is it because you're dangerous and and it's it's like there's a lot of risk putting you up against somebody that you know. I think so. You know, my real name is either dangerous darky. That's actually my real name. <laughs> yeah. It, really? Yeah. No way. Uh, I was going to ask you what your alias was, what they call you. Wow, that's... <laughs> that's, that's wow. That cool. Yeah, I got that uh, when I was, uh, I think I was fighting for the IBF uh, Continental title. Mm -hmm. And uh, Anton Gilmore was like, you know what, Dave? You're so dangerous, my man. <laughs> We're gonna call you the dangerous darky. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. That's sick. That's sick. Um, besides, yeah, um, besides I, Brian Mitchell, you know he's a big influence in your life and one of the reasons why you got into boxing. Uh, who who else is a really who played a big part in influencing you to go pro and and really follow? Uh, there's a lady called Anna Parotti. Uh, she's on her right foot now. And uh, yes, she she's been my my strong my backbone since like my mom died and stuff. She told me, she taught me the quote of uh, quitting is never an option. There were times when I wanted to quit in uh, with the boxing, especially right. uh, where I, I saw nothing is happening. You know, training with the big guys, training with the best of the best in South Africa, uh, being with the best managers, being with Golden Gloves and stuff just not getting that, that, that shot. And I was just like, I'm over this, you know? And right. uh, she said, no, 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 no. You're not even, you haven't even started. How can you say you're over it, you know? She's, that little, she's that little voice that yes. your ear is standing on yes. your Yes, even like a few weeks ago, uh, before I got this fight, I was like, yeah, no, even now, a few weeks ago, she phoned me, she's like, so you're fighting? And I said, yeah, you know? It's going to be my last fight. And she's like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, get no, out of here. That's last you, fight. You, yeah, it's, it's not going to be your last fight. You love it too much. So, like, you get have, out of here, man. You have, but, a, uh, 
you know, yeah, she's been a big influence in my life to keep going, to never yeah. give it up, you know. Um, she was there when I, I won my African title fight. And, you know, just to watch her ringside, uh, she had tears in her eyes. Also brought tears in my eyes, you know. Uh, she was my first sponsor. She, 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 she made sure I'm in the boxing gyms, uh, even paid me a salary just to make sure I'm at boxing. Um, I come to work, I worked for her for a little bit in the office for, for like five hours. I'd pass out after training and she just kept me in yes. this boxing, yes, in this boxing circle because it's also one of those people that really, 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 you know, when you have someone who really believes in you, who, yeah. who sees and just they will, no matter what they, what people will say or whatever happens along the line, they will always, always still believe in you. She's one of those people, you know, and uh, I'm very grateful to have her in my life, you know, and uh, and uh, yeah, she really kept me going. And also my my wife as well, my wife I have now, she's been like my backbone since we've met for the past five years. She's been my manager. She's been my PR. Did she, did, she, did she meet you watching you fight? Is, is that what happened? She came, no, she no, came no, and watched no, you no. fight? <laughs> so we met when I was signed to go fight uh, boxing in the UK. Yep. And I had to change visas and all of this. And we met actually when I went back to South Africa to get my visa to go to the UK. And I needed to train somewhere. And I walked into this gym and there she was, she was boxing, preparing for her first amateur fight. Okay. And the coach was like, hey, do you want to train this chick? And I was like, yeah, man. And that's how I met her. That's, and, and that's what this, that's the whole story. And now, and now five <laughs> years later, you're here now. Yeah. And uh, five years later, I actually trained her now for, she had a fight last year, another amateur fight here in Germany. And I trained her for that. So that's how we met uh, through that's, boxing. That's, that's, that's why I say boxing for me has been a big, 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 big life changer it's uh it's it's changed my life in the most hectic ways can you keep can we go for a 10 second break i need yeah, to charge my phone quickly i mean put a charge on please do, please do. Okay. i'm going to explain to people who brian mitchell is okay lovely yeah yes definitely guys i just want to let you know um yeah brian mitchell uh south african former professional boxer who competed from 1981 to 1985 and held the WBA super featherweight title from 1986 to 1991, uh, the ring super feather title from 1986 to 1988, and the IBF super feather title from 91 to 92. Uh, he began his career in late 1981, winning his first three fights on points over four rounds in less than two months. By the end of November, he had won five times, defeating Simon Zondo and... Uh, I'm going to say Moses Methane uh, on fourth round knockouts. Uh, he began 1982 with a two round KO, uh, but then suffered a setback, losing over 10 rounds to uh, an opponent. Uh, it would prove to be the only loss of his career and left Mitchell's record at uh, six wins and one defeat. This is the beginning. Fast forward, turn, turn, turn it up. The, the man total fights 49. 45 wins, 21 of those wins coming by KO, losses, one, draws, three. You know, um, 
highly decorated boxer here. In September, um, in, in September, he was given a crack at Alfredo Lane's World Junior Lightweight title in Sun City, South Africa. Mitchell seized his chance, dropping the Panamanium uh, champion three times in the 10th round to win the title by knockout. Uh, he next traveled to San Juan to tackle Jose Rivera. Uh, and after a tough battle emerged uh, with a draw over 15 rounds uh, less than two months later. Um, so, yes, there's a bit of a glimpse into uh, who he is. Um, definitely a huge influence in uh, David Rajuli's life. Uh, you know, to, to see somebody uh, from the same country, you know, poor, uh, lots lots of gang violence, uh, and, and be able to emerge and become this, you know, world known boxer and you know have a wonderful record of you know 45 wins one loss and three draws you know that's not outside of south africa like uh he we used to call him the mincing machine he's got an amazing story eh? uh you know yeah um you know when i'm telling the people out here like it, it yeah he does have a great story and you know to see somebody that's what i mean it's it's got to be it, it was a huge influence in you doing doing what you do now you know to see somebody from the same parts of the world and and succeed so much and accomplish so much uh definitely definitely is a is, is a tool that helps you you know do what you do now yes 100 percent, 100 honestly okay i got i got a great question here for you yes do you remember the feeling you got the first time you put somebody to sleep with your hands uh that was in the i'll be honest that was in the streets <laughs> wherever it was wherever it was in, in 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 boxing i was i've never been a power puncher right i've never stopped any i've never knocked anyone out but i have stopped an opponent and this one was one of the best you're very day. Your volume, you like, you like to let your hand slide. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, when I fought this guy, Monet Botma, was he was coming into the fight. He was like a six-time, seven-time South African amateur champion with over three hundred amateur fights. So also with Hardy, he was like, "You're gonna beat this guy." We <laughs> drove up to Johannesburg from Durban, <laughs> and you know. This was one of the highlights of my my, my pro career. Uh, I was a co-main event on Anton Gilmore's show, and uh, uh, it was me versus Monet Botma, and I stopped him in round three. And this feeling was one of the greatest feelings I ever had. I even ran around the ring. I was like, because I was an underdog. Here I was probably hundred to one. People, everyone thought, okay, yeah, David is getting the biggest hiding. He's fighting <laughs> uh, one of the best, best fighters to come out of the amateurs in South Africa. He was training with like Hickey Butler and stuff. Uh, he had won, yeah, six to seven SA uh, national amateur uh, titles. Uh, he was unbeaten in the amateurs. He was great. You know, uh, so I was just his stepping stone and I was coming from another province and everyone was like, okay, this is going to be a fight of the night. <laughs> and this is where David gets a hiding. 
<laughs> and uh, it was the other way around. I right, the hide right, and I stopped yeah. the gun. It was so weird because when I saw that towel fly in, it's the best feeling in the world, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. But I think this time round, you got to uh, yeah, you you got to fight coming up. Yeah, April the first. I think April first. I think April first. What's going to happen is at the moment, I am hitting. I'm weighing one forty. And I'm hitting like a middleweight. Oh. A super middleweight. Okay. So I see, I, I foresee a stoppage. You can never underestimate your opponent. That's true. Uh, one, punch can, one punch can change. I know he's now. coming to fight. I've, I've actually trained with him when I was in Holland. I've trained actually all over the place. So I used to train in Holland for a while, and he was my sparring partner. The, uh, we sparred for like three months. And you know he he brought it. Uh, he's a fully fledged uh, world uh, super welterweight. Yeah. But you know how they do it in boxing. These guys walk around at 72 kgs, 70 kgs. They drop eight kgs just for weighing. Yeah. And, and then, then the next they, day they have a sandwich and drink some water. And the next thing you know, they're eight kg heavier. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will be fighting a fully fledged uh, super so, welterweight. So, are you, so you're walking around right now in a true 140, like you're you don't. Know no, I'm. Uh, you know, to be honest, with 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 my, that's what I say with my pro boxing career, it's been it's been crazy. So naturally, if I want to fight super featherweight, mm. that's uh, I can do it like this. You okay. know, if I want to fight lightweight, I can do it like this. But having won the super featherweight title, and then in Cape Town, I won the All Africa WBF title. Yeah. That's when I was like, hey, bro, let's go for a three division champion. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, bro, you, you're doing something right here. You know, the rewards are coming. So yeah. let's see if you can get a super lightweight title. And uh, that's when I've passed two, three years. I just said, okay, let's go into the super lightweights. I stay there. I fight at my training weight. The most I have to drop for weighing is two kgs. So I train hard at this weight. Then I put on and then I'm back. It's like I'm training. You right. understand? Right. Uh, if so you're, you're always in the gym. It's not like you go and do camp. You're just always ready, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm always ready. I love running. It's one of those things. Uh, even Hardy taught me that, uh, you know, he gave me the mindset of you always have to be ready. If yeah. you want to be this fighter, like a two-year Gaddy and stuff, just always be ready because they'll phone you and say, hey, is your boy ready? And all I have to do, it's like when I fought for the IBF uh, Intercontinental. Mm -hmm. I had to get ready in one week, but I had to drop down to featherweight. That fight I I took at featherweight at 57. Wow. And Hardy just said, hey, I got a phone call. You got one week to prepare. You can do we it. <laughs> uh, you can do it. You can do everything. You can do it. <laughs> and I promise you, one week, we were down to 57 kgs. We still traveled up to the next state, and I went 12 rounds with the guy. Yes, I lost, but I fought also a veteran, a guy that at that time 
he hadn't he had lost like two three times and he had over 30 fights and i went 12 rounds with him you know and i fought for the ibf so i was like you know what bro for me i never see it easy I always see it as you win or you learn something or no, you gain I something. I love that. I love that you said you know? that. You either win or you learn. It's not a loss. It's a yes. lesson. Right? It's a lesson. Or you even gain. You gain uh, recognition. You gain sponsorships. You gain uh, a new fan. You gain a promoter phoning you. You know, you gain something. So, yeah. yes, on paper, it's a loss. Um and even now, I look at my box record, you know, 22 fights, 11 wins, 12 wins, 11 losses, whatever. And I say, you know what? You look at that box record, some it's of these guys sitting with 20 and and stuff haven't been through what I've been through. <coughs> yeah. Haven't been through these fights, haven't fought such warriors, haven't, right. you know? And there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of padded records these days. There's a lot of records. There's a lot of records that are bought. You know, the promoters are putting them in there with guys that they know 100% they're going to beat. So, you know, you see a lot of guys nowadays that, you know, they might have 10 or 20 wins, no losses. But when you look at the look caliber, at who they fought. Yeah, look at the Ooh, caliber of opponents. Then, you know, the then, then, is- then, then, you know what I mean? That's when you really know what's going on. You really have but to check. Know- we learned in amateur let me tell you what we learned in amateur and that's why i think south african boxing is so it's beautiful because it's 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 rough and um the guys are doing it for for the love and for the hunger to feed their families so we were taught in amateurs if you go and you fight someone let's say like they do it here in europe and they do it all over they take someone with a hundred losses one win and they put him against 50, a guy 15 and 0 or something. You know, 100 losses, a journeyman. That's not, yeah. that's not even a journeyman. Yeah, that's an adventurer, can. man. <laughs> what do they call, they call them? Tomato cans. <laughs> yeah, that's like, a, I don't know what that is. But you, know, you find without, a lot without of those guys. Without those guys, though, we wouldn't they have. They find these guys, with, these guys with fights like that, putting it against a prospect, okay? Yeah. But what happens to the prospect? When the prospect's time now comes to fight a homie with 20 and 0 who's in the top 10. Yeah. Now the homie can bang. Yeah. This prospect is sitting with 15 and 0 versus someone with 15 and 0. Now it's time to be a man versus a man. What happens? You know, there goes your prospect's future because yeah. you haven't he hasn't fought people. He hasn't you haven't groomed him properly. You haven't made him strong, a man that he knows what, what's a real fighter in front of him, you yeah. know? See, what I find is, I find in those situations, there's a lot of times where the guys aren't getting the ring experience because, you know, they're, they're getting in there and an opponent that's just, that's not up to the caliber. So, you know, you train for a six or eight round fight, you end up out there one or two, you're done. What you don't you're getting right? yes 100% 100% i would rather fight the best way to learn in this sport is to fight someone better than you because yeah. they bring out the best in you you know it's like even when you're sparring and you spar someone that's very good on that sparring day you'll have the best sparring because now you have to bring your a game up yeah and you will surprise yourself like wow 
you know, I can do this. And this is what I'm saying. I learned like that. I learned actually fighting these veterans. I was like, wow, I can do this. I can go the rounds. I can throw. I can do this. I can do that. They taught me, yes, you actually, you can do, you know? Yes, you lost, but you learned that you can do this. You can do that. You can fight better fighters. Yeah. It's not a thing of, you look at the record now, you get scared. Oh, no, no, you say, come with the record. Yeah. I'm going to try and take a, take that record from you. That's right. That's right. And uh, this is the thing with, with uh, Journeyman. And never under, like, that's what I learned is never underestimate anybody. No, you can't. Because one, one punch can change the entire outcome. One punch can change a hundred percent. Even yeah. the guy I fought for, 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 for the Africa, um, the title. Both the people I fought for my titles have had high records, over thirty fights or twenty oh, yeah. fights and stuff. And I've always the last, been, the last uh, guy, the last guy you fought for uh, the the WBF African Light. He was yeah, 18, 18, 8 and two. Yeah, Seagull. Yes. Uh, and yeah, you 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 he fought him tough. twice. You fought him yes. twice, right? No, no, he was tough, eh? He yeah. was one tough homie. But <laughs> the first time I fought him, I was brought in to be the be like, a, like a stepping stone, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Brought you in to showcase him, and yes, you went and to bring to sell to bring the tickets and to sell yeah. the people. And what did I do? We out jabbed him. We boxed his head off. You know, yeah. we went boom, 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 boom. and and this is what I said was never underestimate your opponent because right. I was underestimated. And second second time round was it was all crazy. I was moving to the UK, not going to the UK. Okay, you need to fight. You have to defend, or we're stripping you. And I got stripped off my first title because uh, I wanted. It was the international WBF. I came back home. Uh, I needed to fight, but now they're sanctioning fees. I don't have a manager. I don't have a promoter. I've got nothing. The months are going, and then I got a letter from the WBF to say, listen, we are stripping you. Was the, that's the worst feeling to say, yeah. Damn, you fight for this, you get rewarded, and you don't even have a turn to defend it yeah. you understand yeah. so the second time when they said okay listen you've been in europe you're coming back uh you need to fight in 30 days you need to defend your title i was like oh okay let's go Sigu. and uh you know uh, i just went that even if you watch that fight you can see i was not close to being ready for that fight but i just went to say okay let me not get stripped again for another title right. It's the, that's the worst feeling in boxing. Yes. Yeah. To get I'm stripped. Got it's got you know, uh, not even getting stripped for for weight, for make not making weight or just you don't have a promoter, you don't have the yeah. funds, you know? And yeah. uh, I was like, okay, let's bang it out, bro. And yeah, he won it. And I'm still on the on the verge of uh, maybe fighting for the uh, a uh, super lightweight title. Uh, obviously, I'm still in touch with the WBF. I have to win one or two fights, and then I'm back up there in their uh, title contenders. You know, yeah. so yeah, things are looking bright. That's good. So and I'm excited. So what you're saying is is dangerous, Mister Dangerous, right here <laughs> is going to be busy in 2023. Is that I'm it? hoping. Yes, I'm hoping so. Uh, 
we've I've been in touch with the promoter from uh, South Africa, uh, Miss, Mrs. Joyce. Uh, they would like me to come to South Africa to to come fight at the end of the year. So we're looking at the fight in South Africa, and then uh, yeah, we're going to see what happens now in April. Uh, a good win from me here in April. I know the phone will start ringing, but what we are going to try to do is get my hands on a three division title, meaning a title in the in the in the super lightweight. Right. Uh, because of my record, I have one of those records that you know one two fights. I can a promoter would say, okay, let's see, let's put him up. You know, he is the 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 punching bag yeah. against our guy you know i have one of those records so um i'm excited for that i'm very 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 excited and uh yeah it's just about getting through this guy now you know i'm fighting in holland again yeah uh, i'm sure you guys watched the last fight a lot yep. of people said won it uh it's very it's very very you know difficult. yeah it was I, I i honestly thought you won it i thought you won the last one a lot of people said so but you know the truth is in boxing the truth is when you go to someone's uh home ground they already won up you're not just fighting an opponent you are fighting the 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 the, the organization right so you have to really win and when i say really win you have to either knock him out yeah. or that towel has to come into the yeah. ring. Yeah, you, you know? gotta you, you gotta make the corner submit, or yes, you gotta, or, or you have to knock him out. This yeah. is the truth. This yeah. is the truth. Even now in South Africa, a lot of the guys are fighting in Russia. The guys are winning, but yeah. it's not saying so on paper, right? You know, <laughs> right? So uh, it's it's like that. So yeah. I have a job. I have I know what I'm up against. That's what I keep saying. You're not just fighting an opponent. We have to go in there hard. We have to go in there to stop the guy. Yeah. I've never been a knockout guy, so I'll never say, hey, fans, I'm going to knock him out. But I know I am a pressure guy. I am yeah. dangerous. Yeah, I have become stronger in the past two, three years. Uh, I am fighting bigger guys. I am standing with the bigger guys. Right. Um, so I'm very confident in myself. My headspace at the moment is out of this world. Yeah. Uh, everything around me my coaching team is perfect. Um, things are going well. So this is what you need when you're going to a fight. You know, I was right. telling one of the amateurs that we're training with that one thing that's very important in this game is this: no matter how hard you can train, no matter what, if it's you don't hard. have this on the day of the fight, yeah, you have lost. Yeah, you. Yeah, you it's, know, it's, 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 there's it's, a lot of mental. There's a lot yes. of mental. A hundred percent. So, uh, with saying that, I'm really, really prepared. On weights for two weeks now. Uh, we're just getting stronger at the weight. We're getting faster. Uh, I know what I'm up against. I've sparred the guy. Uh, you know, I've, my style has changed. If he, I'm hoping his style has changed. I always want a good fight. Right. I right. always want a person to be fitter, as fit as me. I never want, want to go. You want to challenge yourself. You want. You want yeah. to. You don't want to just go in there and. Yeah. No. Work. No. 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 You, you, I hate that. You, you, really you enjoy. That. You enjoy the war. Yes, I want to. Yes, I want to get hit. <clears throat> I want people to go. Whoa! I want 
You know, if there's yeah. cuts happening, I'm like, yeah, I feel like the black caddy. <laughs> David, David, on that note, honestly, I want to invite you back for a second part. Okay. Uh, honestly, we, we we talked earlier. It was going to be half an hour. We yeah, just, yeah, I can we just, see. We, we just crushed going, it. Bro. We just crushed an hour. We've only just, just touched the surface. Yes. Yeah, just touched the surface. I'd like to get you in one more time so we can continue no problem, this conversation bro. before the fight. Okay, no problem, fight. bro. This would be good. I, I don't know if if you want to do it at the same time next week, part two, or if you want to do it before, let me know. Yeah, and, at the same time next week. Uh that would be that would be great. Uh even you know, uh I would actually I'm one of those extreme guys. I would speak to you after the way in. Yeah, sorry. I think we're gonna oh you're gonna stream it, right? You're gonna stream it for the channel. <coughs> yeah, as I was just about to say, I think we are streaming the way in again uh and the fight. Actually. So even to sit down and chat to you and stuff, yeah. I'm one of those oaks that I would chat to you straight off the way in, going to my room Absolutely. and you know we talk you, you you see how we're doing what we eat and uh and uh all we can do it next week i'm always happy to talk bro yeah we, we will talk. we will 100 percent. but you know what we're gonna continue it next week okay to all the fans to all the fans out there you're gonna have to tune in for part two yes with okay, lovely. with david rajuli yes Yes, man. The dangerous darky. Yeah, dangerous darky. There it is. There it is. Right across <laughs> on the shirt, right? Right across yeah, on the shirt. Yeah. Well, you know what? Thanks for coming. Thanks for No, thank you very much, Mike. Thank Honestly. you to the fans. I hope you guys enjoyed this talk and uh looking forward to part two. Part two. And uh we'll finish off and we'll wrap you guys up about the fight, who's the opponents, and the rest of my pro career. Definitely. And thank you for your time, brother. Yes, thank definitely. you to Talking Fight for having me on the show and yes. for doing this. This is uh, this is big. This yes. platform is amazing. I love it. So all the fans, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Knuckle Up with yours truly, Mike Gore and my man, David Rajuli. Remember, part two coming soon. We'll see you then. Remember, Knuckle Up. Lovely, brother. Shot boy. Shut yeah, up. Man. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Wow, bro. It's amazing. Are we oh, still on? Oh, yeah, we're on. We're we're just we're just about to go. Peace. Okay. Wow. Shut up.